When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to the latest Tech Sideline podcast originating from Tech Sideline's high-tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. I'm your host, Evan Hughes. We're pleased to be joined, as always, by Tech Sideline founder Will Stewart, managing editor Chris Coleman. Guys, we are seven months down in the academic year, three left to go, but March, maybe the most important month of them all. Certainly the most fun. I think because of all the conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament, uh, and it's more fun now that Virginia Tech is involved in in the NCAA tournament on, on a regular basis. Uh, I used to actually get kind of angry because uh, I love March Madness, and Virginia Tech was never a part of it, and I, I almost felt like for all those years we were basically getting free money from the ACC in terms of uh, getting NCAA tournament payouts when we never helped the conference out by making the NCAA tournament. So I didn't really feel like we were holding up our end of the bargain. We were getting payouts, but never actually playing in the tournament. So Shades it, of Temple football. Exactly, in the Big <laughs> East. Uh, so I, I think uh, I, I'm, I'm, it's much more exciting now that Virginia Tech's in, in it, I think. Um, I agree with that, except I do have one wish. I would like to go beyond the opening round this year. Um, I don't ask much. Just a little sweet 16 would be fine with me. That's all I ask. A decent matchup this year, a team Tech matches up well with that uh, has a a bad game and none of their players go off from behind the three-point line. I mean, you know, I'm not asking for much, just that. Well, speaking of matchups, we'll kind of preview the rest of the regular season for Virginia Tech. Hard to believe we're in the final stretch of uh, the regular season because it feels like yesterday we were still doing football talk and and tech basketballs in the non-conference slate and here we are already in March. We'll talk about the Florida State matchup which is happening on Tuesday evening. Of course that one will decide the four seed in the ACC. We'll briefly talk about Senior Day and the last home game of the year against Miami. We've got many other sports to get to. We'll talk Virginia Tech wrestling as they get set for the ACC tournament in Blacksburg this week. We'll talk about tech baseball, tech softball, tech lacrosse. we got all covered here on this week's edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. And we're excited to finally bring this back. There's been a lot of chatter on the boards and people wondering on Facebook Live, where is Will's um, song lyric of the week? It's been a while since we've had one. Wait a minute. you got to thank our friends at Fisher Law Firm first before we get into that. It's, It's a tease. Of course, this week and every week, the TSL Podcast is presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm, dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic related offenses. From their offices in Blacksburg and Roanoke, the Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031. Or email them at info at fisherlegal.com. We did the song lyric for a lot throughout the first semester in September, October, November. We got away from it. However, Will has brought it back. And it is a good song lyric. I'm going to read it out now. Right. So this is in my Twitter profile. I, I 
When I'm not exhausted from going to every single football game all season long and I run out of gas, um, and that's that's why we quit doing it last fall. I just got too packed for time. Uh, but I put a I put a song lyric or a movie quote. It started out as movie quotes, and then I switched to song lyrics in that's the right. uh, in my Twitter profile. But a hint: this one could be a two for one. It is. It is a. Uh, it is a song lyric that I associate with a movie. So. Here it is. When I was a young boy, at the age of five, my mother said I was going to be the greatest man alive. <laughs> um, it just sounds funny spoken like that because you're familiar with the song. So let's do something here. Let's let the people on Facebook Live guess the song lyric or name it. First person to do so. I mean, since we're live on Facebook, first person to do so gets a TSL T-shirt. So we'll get in touch with them later and send them a T-shirt. So if you're watching on Facebook Live and you know and you recognize that lyric, um, chime in. Let us know uh, who the artist is and what the song is. And you got to get the song title correct. Cannot be the movie. Can't be the movie. And the the I'm thinking, I don't think the song title is actually used in the song. So you can't regurgitate the chorus to me and say that's the song Eric title. Eric Fisher says Muddy Waters. He is correct about the artist. So Muddy Waters. So what is the name of the song, Eric? And you have to get it right. Now, Eric's the one that wanted these to come back. Again, let me, uh, let me re-say it. When I was a young boy at the age of five, my mother said I was going to be the greatest man alive. <laughs> That sounds like a really arrogant thing to put in your Twitter profile. <laughs> Did I make it, Mom? <laughs> I run TechSilent.com. Am I the greatest man alive? <laughs> eh, not quite. All right, so Eric's, you, Eric's got the whole show to come up with a song title. All right, he's, he's Googling. He's yeah. furiously Googling right now to yeah. try to come up with the actual song title. And we yeah. will come back to it at the conclusion of the podcast. Actually, actually let's, it, when, when he gets it, let's talk about it a little bit because it's kind of a – Kind of an interesting story. It actually relates okay. to the TV show I watched the other night. And oh, by the way, if you want to go off on tangents, I watched the movie uh, Free Solo. I don't think it's is that solo. about Han Solo. No, um, I think it's Free Solo and not Solo Free. It's about a guy. <laughs> it's not Solo Free. Yeah, his Free Solo. It's about a guy named Alex. I can't remember his last name. Who freehand climbed a three thousand foot cliff in Yosemite National Park. So it's a documentary. It's getting a lot of buzz at the Academy Awards. I don't know if it won anything. But this guy climbs. He's one of those people that mountain climbs with no rope or anything, no equipment. He just climbs. And it's a 3,000-foot, like, sheer rock face out in Yosemite. It's called uh, El Capitan. And <coughs> the documentary is about an hour and a half long. Maybe you know, maybe close to two hours, and the first three quarters of it is kind of just setting the stage, and then really, but probably the last fifteen or twenty minutes is him doing the climb, and it's you, you need to see it. It's it's good, um, and and the interesting thing about these guys that climb these mountains without any equipment is that they've climbed them before with equipment, and they have this very detailed, very intricate path laid out for how they're going to get up at this sheer rock face. They don't just start climbing and see how it goes. They have a plan. And he has specific points where he has to make risky moves. Um, you know, there's two or three spots that when you watch them, you will cringe. You know, okay. even, even knowing what you're about to watch, I was like, oh, I know what's coming. But even when you watch it, you're just like, ugh. <laughs> you know, so uh, I believe it's called Free Solo. Um 
It was on Nat Geo. I DVR'd it off of Nat Geo. I don't think it's currently on any of the streaming services, unfortunately, so I shouldn't have hyped it. Uh, but try to catch it on Nat Geo. What's Chris Coleman watching these days? Eh, I don't watch very much TV. I turned my TV on this past weekend, and I hadn't turned it on since the previous weekend, and it was still the same channel that Tottenham Hotspur were playing on the previous weekend. So, so what do you uh, pay for TV service? Uh, too much. <laughs> my dad, my dad's complaining because he pays eighty-eight dollars a month. I'm like, really? <laughs> Is that all? Well, definitely keep us uh, in, in keeping in mind as we go through here on Facebook Live, and then for those listening on SoundCloud, we'll bring it up throughout the podcast one more time. When I was a young boy at the age of five, my mother said I was going to be the greatest man alive. At Will Stewart TSL, this week's song lyric in his Twitter bio. Here's what we have coming up on the podcast today. Again, a lot to get to. We're going to start with basketball, but again, we'll eventually get into wrestling. Uh, and we'll talk women's basketball, baseball, and softball. Evan Hughes, Will Stewart, Chris Coleman, ready to go here on TechSideline.com's podcast as we begin with the marquee matchup, the final true road game of the year for Virginia Tech men's basketball going to Florida State. We are recording on Tuesday, March 5th. They play tonight, Tuesday evening, 7 o'clock on ESPNU against the Seminoles. Florida State, 23-6, and 11-5 in the ACC. They are 14-1 and at home. Is it 10 of their last 11, Chris? Is that right? Mm, yeah, I believe that's yeah, right. Yeah, they, they were good out of conference, and they struggled early on. They lost to Pittsburgh and Georgia. Pittsburgh and yep. Boston They College. started 1-4 and four and then yeah. rattled off eight consecutive ACC wins. Uh, this is also a program in Florida State. Virginia Tech has not won in Tallahassee since Buzz Williams was in high school. 1990, February 1990. So it has been some time since the Hokies have gone down and beaten Florida State, but... You Football. you weren't alive. I was not alive by nine years. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long time. You were. I was seven. seven. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that that had to have been Bimbo Coles. Uh, yeah, that was probably I think Bimbo Coles was a senior in eighty nine ninety. Um, and that's eleven losses in a row, by the way. You know, not only since nineteen ninety, but eleven in a row since then. But let's let's stress the importance of this game because, uh, of course, the ACC tournament is next week in the state of North Carolina, and the top three seeds are locked up. This game, CC decides who is the four seed, gets the double by. Stress the importance to our Tech fans listening. Why is it so important that Tech gets the double by? Well, if you want to win the ACC tournament, I mean, if you're getting the double by means you only have to win three games as opposed to four, and it's hard to win four ACC games in a row against a bunch of good teams. Um, if, if you're just looking to win a game or two and you don't feel like you have a realistic shot to win the entire tournament, then honestly it doesn't matter all that much because most likely Virginia Tech and Florida State are going to play each other next Thursday in the four versus five game. We just don't know which one's going to be the four or which one's going to be five yet. In other words, which team will already have a game under their belt when they play in the ACC right. tournament? And, and, I, and I don't know. Uh, I mean, when is Justin Robinson coming back? We don't know if it's going to be tonight. We don't know if it's going to be Friday. Actually, Buzz said he will not play oh, He will not play tonight. Correct. You're right. We know it's not going to be tonight. Sorry. Uh, Buzz said that on the ACC coaches teleconference, that's I right. believe, yesterday. Um, so it's not going to be tonight. Maybe it will be Friday. How many games do you want Robinson to get under his belt before the NCAA tournament? Do you want him to play back-to-back days coming off an injury? I don't know what's best, honestly. I, I, I really don't know. Um, I expect at the end of the se- end of the season. What was that? It was a strange noise. But uh, <laughs> Some, the, something the, collapsed inside the, 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 the water bottle case fell over. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, we were uh, at the end of the season. We're going to look back and say, 
well, man, if this had happened, it would have been totally different. We're going to say, oh, if Justin Robinson had a couple of more games, it would have been totally different. But I don't know. We're going to look back in hindsight and complain about something anyway. So I just don't know what it's going to be yet. Okay, if Virginia Tech gets the four seed in the ACC tournament and then gets bounced by Florida State in their very first game, and then we don't have a good showing in the NCAA tournament, we're all going to look back and say, oh, well, it was because uh, Justin Robinson just wasn't ready for the ACC tournament, he, or the NCAA tournament, because he didn't get enough time, didn't, didn't, didn't get, get, get enough games. Enough. Yeah. But it could be the other way around. It, if we end up as the five seed, and then he plays on Wednesday and Thursday, and then we go in there, we're going to be like, oh, man, playing in back-to-back days last week, he wasn't ready for that. That's why we got bounced early in the NCAA tournament. So, well, I, I, I'm not, I think we're going to – I think there's a tendency to overanalyze. And, I, but, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know what the right situation for Virginia Tech is as far as when he comes back, how many games he gets under his belt, whether it's better for Virginia Tech to be the four or the five seed. I don't think Virginia Tech has a chance, not much of a chance at least, to, to win the ACC tournament. So it doesn't matter to me whether they're a four or five or not. Now, I want to win the game tonight. I want to beat Florida – we're probably going to play Florida State twice. To me, at this point, it's all about – NCAA tournament seeding. I want to win. I want to beat Florida State tonight, and I want to beat them again next Thursday. Not because I'm dreaming about some special run in the ACC tournament where we'd probably we'd have to win back to back games over back to back to back back to back to back games over Florida State and then like Duke, UNC, Carolina. Yeah, yeah it, that's probably not in the cards. But I want to beat Florida State those two times to improve our NCAA tournament seeding and hopefully get a better draw there and advance further than we've ever advanced in the NCAA tournament. That, that, that's what I'm thinking about right now. I, I To me, I don't really care whether we get the double bye, other than the fact that it means we beat Florida State tonight and it helps our seeding. So a lot of, there's a lot of chatter, Will, though, about this game and the seeding, and you just heard Will saying that maybe some people are overanalyzing it. I'll ask you this. On a scale of 1 to 10, the importance level of this game, with 10 being the highest and 1 being the lowest, is where for you? It's, it's For me personally, it, it's kind of I don't really care. Um, Chris is right in that if Virginia Tech wins tonight and it's a road win over over a good Florida State team in March in March um, you know and, and then let's assume Tech comes home and beats Miami at home then you are you're you, 24, thir- 24 and six or you'd something be 13 like that? and five in the ACC Woo! and 24 and six going into the ACC tournament and for the most part the people that make the brackets up their minds are made on where they're going to put Virginia Tech at that point so if they go and you know, lose the first time they play in the ACC tournament. I don't think they're going to move very much. Um, so, so from that standpoint, winning tonight's important. But I'm not a guy who gets all jacked up about winning at a place where the last time they won there, I was 25 years old. You know, that that was like over half my life ago. That was a long time ago. I just don't have high hopes for tonight, so I'm really not investing much in an emotion. I'll be very excited if Tech wins. Um, we used impressed. To, when I was younger, <laughs> when I was younger, with it, we used to play always play Florida State on my birthday or the day closest to my birthday. Like the last year we were in the Big East, we had like the last couple of years we were in the Big East, we had a, a non-conference home and away with them, hmm. and we lost to them down there. And then we'd always play them anywhere between like January sixth and January tenth. And every year I'd be like, I want to beat Florida State for my birthday, <laughs> and they, they'd beat us every time, no matter what. So it's not my birthday, but I've really. They gave me, Florida State gave me a bad taste in my mouth back then. And it's not like they're a great basketball school. I mean, they have a big-time team, don't get me wrong. Leonard Hamilton's put uh, 
put put together a really good group of players, a, ta- a very talented team. But you know, when, when if I if Virginia Tech struggles with, to beat a team, it doesn't feel like that team should be Florida State, right? Why can we handle Duke every time? Not every time, but <laughs> well, you can go five and six against Duke in Castle Coliseum, right? And you know, we, they Tech lost to Florida State in Castle Coliseum last season. So it's uh, not quite as bad as losing to Penn State in basketball. It's not, <laughs> not, not it's anywhere close. close. It's, well, it's, Florida State's top fifteen. Yeah, Penn State's, Penn State's not an NIT team this but, year. But, 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 but as far as uh, the stature of the schools go in basketball, to a certain extent, like Florida, I don't know. They probably they probably feel the same thing if they lost to Virginia Tech. I mean, Virginia Tech is a football school. So, going off of what you guys just said and what you were kind of analyzing for, never mind. The for, for the ACC tournament, is this really the last big opportunity that Virginia Tech has to improve? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, oh, oh, sorry, finish your question. To improve, not hurt, because I understand like a loss to Miami, theoretically, right. that could hurt. But yeah. their last big chance to improve their overall body of work. No doubt. You're saying this is more important almost than the ACC tournament first game they'd play in. Is that fair? Well, well if they win tonight, then the first game they play in in the ACC tournament will be Florida State again. Is there a, who would Florida State match up in the quarterfinals? I need to twelve thirteen probably either like uh, Georgia, Tech, Georgia or Wake, Tech or Wake, or Wake Forest. Forest. Okay, so they would if they would every, take care yeah, of business. Yeah, uh, most likely. Barring anything um, unforeseen. So yeah, I mean Florida State is, represents Virginia Tech's last chance to add quadrant one wins to their resume, and this is a team though that Virginia Tech doesn't match up well against historically, or, or even now from a personnel standpoint. Well, if they, you know, here we go again. If they had Justin Robinson and Chris Clark on the floor, I'd really like Tech's chances because I don't I – don't, I watch I Florida State play, and I'm not impressed with the coaching, the on-court coaching. I'm not impressed with the discipline in their team. There isn't any. They're just very talented, you know, and, and guys will get hot at times. So we'll preview the game, and Chris will tell you about M.J. Walker, who is a guy that Virginia Tech recruited – and he's shooting, what, 35% this year? Was 35% from the field with more turnovers than assists. So, you know, everybody roll your eyes with me. Watch him go, you know, six of eight from a three-point range tonight. Um, so, that why did I go off on that tangent? I just – I don't feel – I think Florida State's immensely talented, but I think Virginia Tech is way better coached and plays, plays together much better as a team. Mm-hmm. So, if you could close that talent gap by having Justin Robinson and Chris Clark on the floor – I'd really like Tech's chances. Uh, yeah, on paper, I guess. But we had Justin Robinson and Chris Clark on the Castle Coliseum court last year against Florida State, and they came in here and smacked us. Yeah. So, but this year's Tech team is playing better defense. Florida State's got a bunch of seniors too. They got five. They seniors. do. Phil Kofer uh, and yeah, um, cup, they bring a couple of them off the bench, and they're they're forty eight and three in their last fifty one home games. So I'm just not getting. I won't get emotionally invested in this one. Like like last year's UVA game in Charlottesville, when UVA was number two and getting ready to be number one, I went in there thinking, ah, I don't give no Tech much. And Tech had lost by, what, 25 points in Castle mm-hmm. earlier in the year, something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, yeah, I'll sit here and watch, but I'm not going to get emotionally invested. And by the time that they got down to the last five minutes, my heart was pounding because Tech was in it. So that's when I'll get invested in this one. If have if, to watch it unfold. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you something though, Chris, because we just talked about how they're forty-seven and three in their last fifty home games. You mentioned the talent that they have. To me, is this Florida State team getting enough recognition for the talent they have? Are they overrated? Are they underrated well, in terms of the, the talent in the ACC? Uh, I, it's hard to say. I know. 
they're about where you would expect them to be, I think, challenging for the fourth spot, challenging for a double bye. Now, they started off 1-4 and four in conference play, um, so they were one of the most disappointing teams at that point. But in non-conference, they were awesome. They beat Florida. They beat Purdue. They beat somebody else. LSU. They beat LSU. They beat Florida by 21. Right. Uh, that was the first game of the season. LSU by three in overtime. They did lose to Villanova. Right. Um, so they had really by good. six. So it wasn't a big loss. Yeah. Purdue by one. They won in Tallahassee. Really good non-conference uh, resume there. Conference play starts and you start off one and four. Yep. Um, but now they've won 10 of 11. So which is, Florida State's a perfect example for fans to not freak out about little streaks in basketball. Yeah. They play 30 games for a reason, right? It's like a baseball team getting swept or losing five out of six in the middle of a 162-game season. It's just not that big a deal, right? So it's only a big deal if if it gets your team down and, and they don't recover from it mentally. But, you know, the, uh, these guys know what sport they're playing. They, they know how it goes. So Florida State loses four of their first five. Everybody's freaking out. Oh, what's wrong with Florida State? And now they've won 10 out of their last 11. Their only loss by was uh, was to North Carolina at North Carolina. So I, I, don't, I don't know that they've overachieved or underachieved. I think they're pretty much exactly where most people expected them to be this year. From a talent standpoint, maybe you could argue that they have – underachieved but look at the teams ahead of them they're not more talented than duke <laughs> they're uh unc is unc uh tony bennett's an elite coach and tony and he's got two possible first round picks on that team so i'm not even sure it's fair to say they're more talented than uva does florida state have two first round picks no they don't uh i don't even know if they have a second round pick so while they're talented and they, they look the part, I don't think they're as talented as the three, as the three teams ahead of them. Uh, so I don't necessarily think it's uh, fair to say that they've underachieved during the regular season because I do think the teams that are ahead of them have more talent. Now, where they've really screwed it up in the past is they get into the NCAA tournament and lose to somebody they have no business losing to, like they did last year. I forget who knocked them out early, but it was a team that – I think Florida State's team last year probably had more talent than this year's team, in my opinion. But they got just, they just got knocked out early. and, and, and uh, Well, I, I, it, my opinion is they're just not well coached. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. It wouldn't surprise me if Virginia Tech rolled out there and won by 10 or 15 Well, well Florida, Florida State hasn't had a stinker in a while. Right. They had, I mean, generally once every two or three weeks they play a really bad game. It's what it's always – and lose to somebody they shouldn't. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, you could see them coming out on senior night. I believe it's pretty sure it's their senior night, of course, with five seniors. Uh, but that, and that could be a good thing. But it could also be a bad thing. I mean, Virginia Tech always – almost always loses senior day. Yeah. I mean, I remember going back to Jamon Gordon and Xavier Dowdell, and they had a chance to clinch the number one seed in the ACC tournament on senior day, and they lost to an NIT Clemson team. Yeah. And, I mean, they were getting – they just got – I think Xavier Dowdell had like seven turnovers in the first half. I remember he at one time – at one point he just caught an inbounds pass, turned around, there was a Clemson player. He just ran into him, dropped the ball. I mean, it was just, it was just they played tight on senior day. You know, day. that's probably a 12-year-old memory, and that's a, that's a pretty clear memory. No, I mean, I, I, I was, I was listen, pretty – CC, he, he, he is sharp. He's got a very sharp mind. I was angry about that game. Uh, oh. not, not, not so much that I really wanted the number one seed. I did, but I don't like it. Like like Guys like Jamon Gordon and Xavier Dowdell and Coleman Collins, they, they changed the culture of the program and the trajectory of the program when they came in. 
and they didn't get to go out with a win. That would have been the culmination to 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 be the number one seed in the ACC. Right. I didn't even realize Tech ever had a chance ever in oh, the yeah. ACC to be number did, one seed. They did, and yeah. I, if Chris, they would have they would have had the tiebreaker. Didn't that game end up with an AD Visayo shot to win it, and they missed it? I don't know if Pretty it was that sure. one. Or, well, I don't know if I, I really don't remember. Um, yeah. Well, let, let's go into keys to this one, and then we'll quickly move on because we've got a lot to talk about today. We've got football to get to, and um, and much more. You mentioned the matchup. Florida State, historically, a very tall program. Yeah. Uh, you get Like Jonathan Isaac, one of their recent guys who's playing in the, with the Orlando Magic right now. They do have some tall guys. Phil Kofer, one of those five seniors, I believe, has really made an impact. Can I go first? Sure. You go ahead. Just looking at the matchups, though, it seems like Kerry Blackshear Jr. is going to have a tough assignment tonight. Yes. Uh, Blackshear, and, and I, don't, I don't beat this drum. Everybody else used to talk about this. I don't think they talk about it as much as they used to, but he needs to stay out of foul trouble tonight. Um, if Florida State is smart, they will uh, go down inside and try to draw fouls on him. Now, Florida State's guys are big, but most of them aren't real quick. They're, their biggest guy, who has a name I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Chris Kamanji. There you go. Oh, okay. I can't um, pronounce the other guy's name. I don't think he's really a throw it into the post and have him make a post move kind of guy, but uh, anyway, I, I digress. Uh, so Blackshear has to stay out of foul trouble. Now the flip side of that coin is he's playing really well right now. Can he be the guy that draws fouls? Because the way I talk about Blackshear is he's not vertically explosive, but he's laterally explosive. Mm-hmm. Can he catch the ball at the top of the key, make a move and draw a foul without getting a shot blocked? Now the other thing I think is important is ball movement. Get the ball around quickly and get open looks at three-pointers. Chris ran the numbers, and I think Florida State's 14th in the conference in three-point field goal defense. So they're, they're, they're tall guys, but if you move the ball well, you can get open looks. So get the open looks and make them. Those are my keys. Yeah, I think everybody talks about him. Blackshear uh, staying out of foul trouble. But can he create foul trouble? Because they're going to be, they're gonna be uh, stressed by him at the top of the key, uh, those big guys for Florida State. They're not going to be able to handle him out there, in my opinion. Uh, so I, I think that's actually a good matchup for, for, from that perspective. Um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I just look at the base numbers, and I think Virginia Tech, even without Robinson, has a good chance to beat Florida State. But history says it's not going to happen. All right, and I, so, I just don't have a good feeling about all it. All right, so let's quickly – you don't have to give me a score, but give me who you think. I mean, I'm Florida State has won 48 of their last 51 home games. Uh, if I picked Virginia Tech, it would be a heart pick and not a head pick. So, I, Florida State. Yep, same here. Uh, wouldn't surprise me to see Tech uh, shoot well in the first half, get out to an 8- or 10-point lead, and then uh, I think this – and it actually rings a bell. I think this actually happened, happened to them last year or the year before. It happened – couple of years ago. Was it the ACC tournament? It was the ACC tournament, yeah. yeah. Uh, they beat Florida State in the ACC tournament in Buzz's first year. Actually beat them twice that year. Wow. Yeah, believe it or not. That was the one yeah, year we actually – Yeah, Newcastle. Yeah. But then the next year, I think uh, – the next year, I think uh, it was Florida State that knocked Tech out. Yeah. And that and that was a similar game. Tech led most of it, maybe two-thirds of it, and then Florida State jumped out at the end. So that's my safe bet, Seminoles. And transitioning to Friday's matchup, we don't want, I don't want to spend too much time necessarily breaking down Miami, a team that Virginia Tech beat 82-70 to 70 on, on January 30th. We know that it's a down year for the Hurricanes. They're 4-12 and 12 in ACC play. I want to harp on it more being the final time that a, a core group of seniors will see the floor at Castle Coliseum. Guys like 
Justin Robinson and Med Hill and uh, I don't know why names are already escaping me. I had them all Ty right Outlaw. Down. Ty Outlaw. The, 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 the core group of Buzz Williams' first recruiting class. CC, I mean, you, you cover this team extensively. You've covered the, 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 the Buzz Williams there since he's gotten here. We talked about the fact that maybe one of them has his number re- retired one day in Justin Robinson. Put into words what this group means in all-time perspective in Virginia Tech history. Yeah, well, I think, and I, I don't know this for a fact, obviously we know that this is going to be the first time that Virginia Tech as a school has gone to three straight NCAA tournaments. But I think the Justin Robinson and Ahmed Hill will be the only two players in Tech history to play in three straight NCAA tournaments. Uh, to play in three or three straight? To Clearly, play three in three. Uh, uh, yeah, three I'd, overall. I'd, I'd have to do the research on – Charlie Moore's teams from the 80s. Right. But anyway, go uh, ahead. But I, I, if they're not the only two, they're two of the only three or four to ever do it, right? So it's just a rarity around these parts. So, I, And it was a losing culture, you know, quite frankly. I, I mean, every time, you turn, every time you turn the TV on to watch Virginia Tech basketball, you knew they were going to lose before Buzz Williams got here. And, and, I mean, look, seriously. Um you know, I, I, I get a, you Sometimes you get on fans for, and people say it's bandwagon. You only watch the team when, when they win, and blah blah blah. Well, honestly, I was. I, if I, if I hadn't, if it hadn't been my job, if I didn't have to write about those games when James Johnson was the coach, I'm not sure I would have kept watching because it was too depressing, and I don't like going to bed unhappy. Right. Uh, Same with the the Ricky Stokes era. Of course, we are talking about what preceded Buzz. Right, so. exactly. So, me as a guy who, during the Ricky Stokes era, would actually come back from Christmas break and be the only student in the entire student section to watch us lose to games like Wofford. So, I come from that background. The fact that I was actually not wanting to watch the team play anymore before Buzz got here says a lot about how bad we were. So... And then the first year Buzz was here, they only won two ACC games, but they were competitive. They were competitive from the standpoint that you could tell they were well coached. And I remember the happiest I've ever heard Buzz after a game was when they was his first year and they lost by 16 points at NC State. I listened to the post game radio, and that dude was just as happy as he could be because he knew they played as well as they could possibly play. Um. And uh, he was, you could just tell in his voice and how he talked about them that, that he felt like they were moving in the right direction from an effort standpoint and they were buying into the culture and, and things like that. So, uh, and, and I remember the Duke game in Castle that year. Um, Justice Winslow and I didn't go. Okay. I'm just like, why would I go see that? Duke's going to kill him. And then I checked the score as, as it approaches halftime and Tech was either winning or right with them. So I got in the car and I drove over to Castle. And it's Duke in Castle, and I just rolled up and bought a ticket at halftime or else the door was open, and I just walked in. <laughs> and I watched the second half, and that was the game where uh, Jalen Hudson had a chance to win it in regulation and was fouled and it wasn't called. So that, that's, that's a story back from Buzz's beginning year where they almost beat Duke. So anyway. And I, I was a Buzz Williams fan before he got to Tech. Uh, uh, I always liked his teams at Marquette. Um, I liked his energy on the sideline. Didn't know much about him as a person, but from the outside looking in, I liked their style. Um, so I was really excited when, when they hired Buzz Williams. Um, I, I was more excited by Virginia Tech hiring Buzz Williams than I've been about any coaching hire in Tech history. Not that 
there have been a lot of coaching hires in the major sports in tech history. I mean, Frank Beamer was here almost my whole lifetime, basically. Uh, And then uh, they hired Fuente, which I was excited about. But I knew Buzz Williams was a winner Um, uh, just because he wanted Marquette in the Big East back when the Big East was just a bear. Yeah. So uh, I I think he's an elite coach, and I think he's shown that he's an elite coach. And this is, and as we've talked about on the podcast before, this team this year is supposed to be the culmination of of all of his hard work and the work of all the players that preceded these guys and are part of this group. This is this is the 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 crescendo of it, you know. And it's some of it's been. Uh, diminished because Chris Clark isn't playing for him and Justin Robinson's been out for so long. And and I'm, and I'm sorry, I just can't separate the two. When I'm going to be sitting there watching those guys at senior night, if Justin Robinson is still not in uniform, that's going to suck. You know what I mean? And I'm, and I'm, I'm going to continue to sit there and think, like I said last week, they're 22-6, and six, they could be 26-2. and two, You know, and that'll always be there in my mind that that all the work all these guys have done they're still successful, but they could have been more. Yeah, and we're talking about this game being for that four seed. Well, you know, Tech would have won probably two of those three games without Robinson. I think it would be unfair to say they would have won all three of them. Four, right? right, they would have already clinched it. It would be over with. Yeah. So, I, I, I was, uh, this is a great season, but uh, there will always be, unless they – Make some kind of magical run in the NCAA tournament, which is still possible. If they make a run to the Sweet 16 but, and or the Elite Eight, then then I, I won't say this kind of stuff anymore. Right. Um, I, but but it's it's still – right now you're looking at it and say, ah, oh, they're, they're a four seed or a five seed. Could have been a three seed. Yeah, yeah. And there's a big difference. It's true. I will say I, I do I, – I think you're right, and I think it is easy to look at what it could have been because you're right. I mean, you look at the UVA game at home, you add – a, just, a healthy Justin Robinson and, and a Chris Clark. You add even a Landers Nolly. I think people forget about could have made significant co- contributions. I think as a freshman, but you look at some of those games that could have been flipped. However, I think it's I think it's such a testament to the players that have bought in and the fact that you could have sat there and said our our point guard, our leader, our five is out yeah. and folded. I remember watching uh, Cam Reddish after the Duke Virginia Tech game. And not that he wasn't negative about Zion being out, but it was just more like, you know, well, it was different without him being down there, and we didn't really have time to practice it. You never once heard any of those guys say, oh, poor me, or the yeah. victim statement. They all picked up the slack, and, and, and you look at from the NC State game when they scored in the 40s to putting up nearly 80 against Duke, you see the resilience. I mean, you, it could have gone a whole other direction. It could have, and... And I think we talked about this last week, and, and yes, we, we should be praising them more for this, uh, for the positive attitude. I think it's easier to win, and I think it's easier to to respond to a situation like the Justin Robinson situation if you've nurtured a positive atmosphere in your program, in your locker room. And Buzz Williams is a master of nurturing a positive attitude. Um, so I, I, think, I think that's half the battle, and I'm, I'm not going to say – Buzz Williams is a great basketball coach, um, but I think what separates him from some other guys um, is the fact that his team, they're so positive and they they, they legitimately like each other. I mean, they are a team. And they say that all the time. They are they a team. Everybody on this team likes everybody. They all live in the same complex. They are all really tight. And, uh, you know, the, the – 
there's I won't name names here, but there was an issue in the past uh, where two of Tech's top players, not on the current team, obviously, uh, but a previous administration, pr- previous administration, we'll say, um, coaching staff. At the beginning of their career, they were tight. They were roommates and everything like that. But by the end of their career, when they were seniors and they were Tech's two best players, they did not get along anymore. And that hurt their chemistry on the court. And and that doesn't happen under Buzz. That doesn't happen under Buzz. And, and, and the so people people always blame the NSA selection committee for leaving Virginia Tech out of the NSA tournament back then. But what what kept Virginia Tech out of the NSA tournament was themselves. Uh, you know, I think the the atmosphere wasn't as good around those teams, and and some of the players didn't necessarily get along. Some of the key players didn't necessarily get along, and. And I think that's the difference between this team being twenty-two and six right now, and being nineteen and nine. You know, I, I, I just I was looking today at the two thousand seven recruiting class, um, and and just looking at that class, that should have been one of the greatest teams in Tech history. Who, who was in that? Malcolm Delaney, Jeff Allen, Dorenzo, Terrell Bell, Dorenzo Hudson, J.T. Thompson, mm-hmm. and there's three other guys, one or two of which were contributors. Maybe Lewis Witcher. Mm. No, no, no. Witcher, Witcher was before them, but that class alone should have been one of the greatest teams in the history of Virginia Tech basketball. But they were never quite uh, the sum of their parts. They never made the NCAA tournament. Well, I'll end this discussion on this. You were talking about earlier how you used to watch March Madness. You and you know you never saw Tech in there. As someone who kind of followed Tech growing up. You know, I know a lot of people my age, and I know a lot of students at Virginia Tech now never really knew what it was like to see Virginia Tech in a tournament. I didn't start following sports till about '08, so when Virginia Tech made the tournament against what Wisconsin, that was the first time I really, as a sports fan, have ever seen Virginia Tech in a in an NCAA tournament. I remember the first time I uh, the Virginia Tech made the NCAA tournament that I can remember in my lifetime was 1996, and I grew up in Southside Virginia. And every March, the ACC teachers would stop, or, or excuse me, the school teachers. ACC teachers. ACC <laughs> teachers. The school teachers would stop class, roll out the TVs, and the whole school would be watching the NCAA ACC, tournament. ACC, ACC tournament, yeah. excuse me. The very next week, when Virginia Tech's playing in the NCAA tournament, I want to watch the game. You think I can watch the game? No. Nah. No. I mean, people didn't care about Virginia Tech in, in Danville, Virginia. They didn't care about Virginia Tech basketball. They, they would rather watch Duke and UNC play um, or Wake Forest or any ACC game. So I, I, this is the very first game, NCAA tournament game that Virginia Tech played in. I get off the bus maybe 3.30 in the afternoon, and I'm able to watch the last three minutes of the Virginia Tech-Wisconsin Green Bay game, yeah. who Tony Bennett was playing for, right? Yeah. Uh, so – they win that game? I don't even know. The they, they won it. They, they won it. But then, so they played Kentucky, who was the number one overall seed two and days later. And, by the way, one of the greatest teams of all time. Yeah, Not yeah. just the number one seed, but a really good 96, team. 96, would that have been the year Kentucky and uh, the Christian Leitner? Was that that year? No, Leitner no? was okay. before that. This, the, uh, this was uh, Kentucky versus, U, uh, no, Syracuse final. And they did win it all. And they, they did win it all, yeah. Um, so... That was my real, my first real experience watching Virginia Tech get hammered by Kentucky, and I didn't have another experience until 2007. So I, I felt a little cheated. For so I understand fans out there that that you know they don't think Virginia Tech when it comes to the NCAA tournament, and they shouldn't because Tech hardly ever made it. 
Yeah. So that, that that's why the last three years to me, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a little I'm a little bit uh, stressed out heading into the NCAA tournament this year because I don't know what to do. Like, I know I should go cover it as the as the guy who covers tech basketball for TSL, but at the same time, I've gone through my favorite era of tech basketball ever without hardly going to any games as a fan. So I kind of want to go as a fan to appreciate it from from that standpoint. Well, stringers only cost about 100 or 150 bucks. We can do that. And I guess we could. But well, regardless, to wrap up this subject, senior day uh, Friday, Miami closes out the regular season. Uh, I'm sure the pregame ceremony probably starts about 6:40, 6:45 um inside Castle Coliseum and it will be a meaningful yeah, right and uh, the Castle crowd is always late arriving. Except for the students this year. I'm except give well, credit. Yeah, except for yes. the students, right. They're trying to get the best seats and everything. So get there early. Get there so early spring, for senior spring, spring break starts. That um, Friday. Yeah. yeah. But I still think there will be a good student attendance. Do, don't, yeah, well, this is the game they get their free hot dogs. Wasn't that planned <laughs> brilliantly, right? Uh, but, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, you leave for the beach the next day, but stay for this. Sh- sure. And if you're a regular fan – Get that. Get there at six forty. Get the, be in your seat by six forty for senior day. Don't show up at seven o'clock and miss the whole thing because, you know, this, the, is, the, 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 this is a culmination of a group of players that changed the culture of, of your school. Right. So you know, so show up and, and show them some appreciation. Quickly before we go to break, any questions you want to jump into on basketball? Did, anything? Did anybody there? identify the song correctly? Yet? Yeah. I, right. Honestly, I don't remember the name right. of the song. I'm pretty sure no. It's all variations on the same. Again, our song lyric here, when I was a young boy at the age of five, my mother said I was going to be the greatest man alive. Chime in on Facebook. Rob Simmons got it right. Rob Simmons got it? Yeah, the the name of the song is Manish Boy by Muddy Waters. And so here's the story. Um, It's in the movie Risky Business. Uh, which is my favorite movie of all time. Oh, it's your all-time favorite oh, yeah, movie. Yeah, wow, yeah. okay. So everybody's like, ah, Risky Business, ah, teenage sex romp. No, Risky Business is way more than that. It is the fusion of comedy and art. Uh, the director was a guy named Paul Brickman who directed a total of like three movies, and that's it. But the way the music he chose for the movie and the way he integrated the music into the movie – and just the way he framed scenes, and it's just parts of the movie have this, this dreamy quality to them almost. Even though at its core, it's a story about a high school kid who runs a brothel out of his house one night. But it's so much more than that. And um, I was watching a show the other night. There's a show that runs on uh, Axis, A-X-S-T-V. I assume it's pronounced Axis. It's basically a... It's not a music video channel, but it's, it's a channel about music. And they do top ten songs. And one of the lists they did recently was top ten songs that you identify with a movie. The song wasn't written for the movie, but you identify the song with the movie. And, and an example, I, don't, I didn't really pay attention to the show. I was doing something else. I just knew it was on. But one of the, the songs that they put up there was Old Time Rock and Roll by Bob Seger which is Tom Cruise sliding down the hall and dancing in his underwear to that song. So a lot of people are saying, when I hear that song now, I see Tom Cruise dancing in his underwear. Well, I'd never heard Manish Boy before, and it's not a song you hear a lot, but when I hear it, I absolutely identify it with the movie. You know, And, and maybe another example is Ride of the Valkyries. You identify that with... Uh, uh, the name of the movie is blanking me. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Apocalypse Now. 
um, Ride of the Valkyries is, is classical music, but you kind of think of Ride uh, of uh, Apocalypse now when you hear it. So, um, so that's the story. the The particular scene is when the uh, ladies of the night are coming to Tom Cruise's house to set up for the evening. The door opens and they play this song as they as they stream in one by one. So, um, and I'm sure you could uh, relate uh, Danger Zone to uh, Top Gun with Tom Cruise. Yeah, I'm sure that much. was probably on that list. I Danger Zone may have been written for that movie. Okay, which would make sense. Oh, I'm yeah. pretty sure it was. Yeah. yeah. So, by the way, I did otherwise, why is Kenny Loggins recording something called Danger Zone? <laughs> yeah. We uh, we did the, we were talking about this before the podcast, and I will say I looked up the t- all time top forty two Tom Cruise movies. Top forty two. Yes. Okay. Uh, and at number seven is Top Gun. Number <laughs> five is Jerry Maguire. And number one is Born on the 4th of July, according to this article. Okay. So, I haven't seen many of I will say Jerry Maguire. I'm kind of partial to. But, the, the, uh, the, the first part of Born on the 4th of July is very, very moving. But when it just devolves into him being a shaggy guy who drops more F-bombs than, than Andrew Dice Clay, it, it just gets hard to watch. But anyway, continue. And Risky Business came in at 11 on this, which I think is a little low. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> How old was the person who wrote that? That's a great question. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, well, that was our uh, song lyric of the podcast. We'll lead off next week's podcast. So you've never seen the, the movie? Uh, what, Risky Business? Yes. I had not heard of it before I came in. Wow. Today. I've never seen it. You have to watch it. I Yes. And I was watching Star Trek with Will before we started. We had a little movie uh, 101 history before uh, we got going today. We're going to step aside for a break, and when we come back, we'll talk Virginia Tech football. Joshua Nijman competed at the NFL Scouting Combine. We'll talk about his numbers. And there's a new quarterback in the quarterback room, transfer from Oregon, Braxton Burmeister. We'll get Chris's thoughts on how he fits into the quarterback room at Virginia Tech. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Tech Sideline Podcast, proudly presented by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go Hokies. Our thanks to Jonathan Fisher and his incredible team at the Fisher Law Firm for being proud partners of TechSideline.com and the TechSideline Podcast. Again, their number 1-800-680-7031. Evan Hughes, Will Stewart, Chris Coleman back with you. Our first podcast in the month of March. We move from basketball talk. We move to football talk. And the NFL Scouting Combine took place this weekend. Typically, we see a lot more Hokies. Like last year, we saw, the, of course, the Edmonds brothers. Those were highlights, and there were a lot more higher draft picks last year uh, than there will be this year. But uh, Joshua Nijman worked out, started 10 games at Tech uh, last year at left and right tackle, and I'll go through some of the numbers that he walked away with. Uh, bench press, he had 27 reps. Broad jump, 114 inches. His 20-yard shuttle was 4.5 seconds, and his three-cone drill was 8.07 seconds. So uh, good for Joshua and, and wishing him nothing but the best at the, uh, in the NFL. Yeah, good, uh, good athlete. Uh, unfortunately got hurt, didn't play the end of his senior year. Um, but, you know, certainly for a couple of those, he, he showed uh, top-quality skills. Uh, I think he was 14th on bench press maybe, and uh, what was he, second in one of the other – 
I wish I could remember, and, and I'm sitting here going through my phone as we're talking, so uh, I'm trying to spend right. a little more time. Okay, well, well at, any, at any rate, uh, <laughs> at any rate, um, good athlete, but here's the thing, man. He's got a chance maybe to get drafted in the late rounds, but I, I think there's a very good chance, probably a strong chance, that this will be Virginia Tech's first year since probably 1992 or 1993 yeah, so that me, they haven't me, had a player drafted. Up and I will tell you how many years they have had uh, – Right, so Tech only had six seniors on their right. team they, they, this past year. I should have explained that's right. Right, right. Um, so, and, you know, one of those is Mahota, who was completely banged up. Um, you know, you have Peoples, a good college player, but not an NFL back. Ricky Walker. R- Ricky Walker, even if healthy, Ricky Walker's not an NFL defensive tackle. I mean, Virginia Tech, except for Tim Settle, you've got to go all the way back to the 2008 draft to find Carlton Powell as the last Virginia Tech defensive tackle to get drafted. So a Virginia Tech defensive tackle gets drafted once every 10 years. Um, so, and Virginia Tech has had great defensive tackle play. That's not a criticism of anybody. In general, Virginia Tech's defensive tackles have been outstanding. They're just not NFL defensive tackles, which is fine with me. I don't care as long as we win games at Virginia Tech, right? Uh, it doesn't matter to me if they're future. hope they make the NFL, of course, but I, I don't want to change an entire system just to get a few more guys drafted because I don't think that necessarily makes a difference on how you perform at the college level. Um, but, yeah, the, I don't think Tech's going to have anybody drafted this yeah, year, and, 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 and that's going to be another sign of the program bottoming out this past year from a talent perspective and 1993 was the last year they did not have anybody drafted and coincidentally the previous season leading they up to that two eight and one the last time they had a losing record and and the, one of the things the two eight and one team suffered from was a lack of senior leadership mm-hmm. guys to finish games yep uh so uh, yash nijman the hopes and dreams of virginia tech's NFL draft history are squarely <laughs> on your shoulders. Well, uh, it is reported that Buffalo met with him, according to Sal Capaccio, a Buffalo Bills beat writer. And, of course, the Bills are like the Hokies 2.0. Seems that way these days, doesn't uh, it? In the yeah, NFL. They do, they do like the Hokies. Uh, and, um, again, I've got, they've got T- uh, Wyatt Teller, Tremaine Edmonds, Cam Phillips, and, uh, of course, Logan Thomas, uh, who actually had a pretty good year for the Bills this year. He caught a touchdown pass. He threw a pass on uh, special teams. He had a hellacious bro- block down around the goal he line. He did, one time that's right. DB, yeah. uh, and according to NFL.com, Nijman has a current NFL prospect grade of a 5.31, which equates to a player having NFL backup or special teams potential. So late round at best is what you're talking about. One there, would hope. Most so. likely. So hopefully he makes it in. Um but I, I just – I don't know. I don't know if it's likely or not. Well, let's transition into current players in the Tech program and someone who is the newest Hokie of them all is quarterback Braxton Burmeister, who officially transferred to Virginia Tech. There was rumors about him coming while Hedden Hooker had his name in the transfer portal. Hooker comes back. Burmeister still comes. Let's get you the details on him. He comes from Oregon, where currently Justin Herbert is one of the top quarterback prospects in all of the country. Might have been the top quarterback in this year's draft had he decided to declare. He's going to go back for his senior year. Played in 11 games with the Ducks, five starts in the past two seasons. Completed 49 of 87 passes for 56%, 373 yards, a pair of touchdowns. He also has 71 career rushing attempts for 131 yards and three touchdowns. Those are the numbers. The majority of his yards actually came from a game against Washington State where I think he threw for like 350. So he hasn't had a ton of other reps. How much have you guys seen from him? What do you? We don't even know if he's going to be eligible yet, but what are your initial thoughts on another quarterback being added to the room? 
you never know when a guy can wind up in the right situation, and he hasn't really shown anything so far. What's his touchdown interception ratio? It's pretty bad. It's like two to two touchdowns to six interceptions, or yeah, two to like yeah. That. Well, so was Ron Willis's before he got to right. And, um, yeah. But it, it his numbers are not strong coming from Oregon. Um, so you hope that uh, whatever happens for him here, and as we've talked about many times before, Justin Fuente is really good about putting his quarterbacks in situations where they can put up good numbers. I don't want to use the generic term succeed. Right. Uh, but they'll put up good numbers, you know. And as we've talked about before, uh, Ryan Willis was rumored to be a turnover machine. That didn't turn out to be the case. Yeah. Um, so whatever Braxton Burmeister did and didn't do at Oregon, I'm not sure it really matters. It's Six picks to two interceptions right. in his career. And, and that's irrelevant to his physical talent. Because the guy started as a true freshman and he wasn't ready. You can't yeah. judge a guy on how he plays when he's a true freshman starting. Uh, in the Pac-12. In the, in the Pac-12, but... All right, who was Oregon's head coach in 2017? That was when he was a true freshman, right? That would have been, that would have been uh, that's Willie Taggart. Willie Taggart, Taggart right. Yeah. So I, I, Willie Taggart has, a good, has good success before he got to Power 5 schools. I've seen nothing to indicate since he got to Power 5 programs that he knows how to run an effective offense against Power 5 coaches. Yep, jury's still out. Right. So well, actually the jury's – um, talking and they don't think he can be successful at P5, but they haven't made their minds up. Right, yeah. Not, I don't know if there's enough evidence to convict there as of yet, but uh, <laughs> but it's not looking good. You go back to his high school days, he was a four-star and top right. 200 prospect uh, by rivals. Uh, he uh, played his high school ball uh, in the state of California, and then his, he became just the second true freshman to start a game at quarterback for the Ducks since 83 where he opened uh, opening five contests for Oregon. Again, that was Willie Taggart. And his one big game, 44 passes for 77 yards. Excuse me, that's a typo there. 330 yards, two touchdowns, ran for 102. Um, and he made his starting debut against Washington State. So he's, I mean, you know, not a ton of tape to look at. Not a lot to go on. And, and most likely, you know, maybe he'll get a waiver and he'll be eligible this year I, I don't know but uh, right now we have to assume that he's sitting right. out and I believe that was something that head coach Justin Fuente said at the recent press conference they don't know if right. he's eligible yet yeah they don't know yeah exactly right and you know, I think those the NCAA people as far as those waivers go they're a little they're more lenient these days than they used to be but but to me it just seems like a regular transfer to me so I, I'm not not optimistic about him getting a waiver and I'm okay with that because my gosh I mean I, how big of a competition do you want? Do you want to split the reps between three different guys during the whole month of August? I, I don't think it's ideal. Um, and he'd he'd come in at cold like he's he's still at or he's finishing up on the West Coast right now. It's not it's not like he's going to get to go through spring practice and learn the system. So he is not in Blacksburg and he is still no, in Oregon. No, I mean he just visited Tech a couple weeks ago. That was his first ever visit. I mean, he only committed a couple weeks ago. So there, then the semester started weeks previously. So he would have had no chance to enroll in, in, in during the beginning of a semester or anything like that. So he's finishing up out there taking some online classes. Yeah, taking four online classes. I think. Yeah, I believe, I believe that's right. Um, well, it is interesting. You know, we, we have touched on this many times throughout the podcast, but now it's a little bit more interesting with him being a 
he'll be what a junior coming in, whether he sits out or he is not redshirted. It does not look. No, he like. redshirted this past year. Oh, he okay. So he only played, he played, in, four played in four games, but he redshirted. But but he redshirted. I, I forgot about right. that rule. So he'll come in as a redshirt sophomore. He'll be a redshirt sophomore this year, and then he'll sit out and be a redshirt. So he'll either junior. have three years or two years of eligibility, depending on the most likely two. So you know, yeah. it's interesting when Willis grad whoever starts this year. It's just interesting to see. And of course, we don't know a ton about him, so it's easy to. But you know, again, does it? Is it still in your eyes the next three, four years? Is this Quincy's Quincy Patterson's job to lose, so uh, to speak? I don't know if it, you can say it's his job to lose this year, but I think the future's job. Yes, let me it, say it, yes. Yes, it, I, I, I still believe it's him. But you give yourself the options. I mean, Ryan Willis is a senior this year. Correct. Do you really want to only have one option going into, into 2020? Nope. I mean, that, that, that's just not a good idea. Even if Quincy Patterson is the greatest quarterback ever, he could still get hurt. Because right? without, without Burmeister, your quarterback room after this year would be Hooker, Patterson, and Knox, Kadem. Yeah. 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 And there have been some seasons in the past, like, gosh, I remember when Logan Thomas was a starting quarterback, and you're just like, oh, please don't get hurt. Please don't get hurt. <laughs> Who was the backup for is Logan Thomas? Was it, was backing him up? Uh, your, for, yeah. was, first, it, was it Juju? No, Juju was Tyrod's backup, which allowed – Logan to redshirt, and then I think the next year Juju was was Logan's backup. Yeah. Um. So that that that's another one, and then you know when when Tyrod was a quarterback and Clayton was his backup, you're just like, okay, please don't get hurt. <laughs> you know. So I I just think the quarterback depth has been much better. Um. There were times in the past that, you know, if you lose your Josh Jackson, your backup is not going to be Ryan Willis, and Ryan Willis is not a perfect player, but. He was a lot better than, than some backups Tech has had in the past. So it, it's always good to have good quarterback depth. Um, so I think it's a, it's the right move uh, bringing in a guy. We went from a, co- a couple weeks ago thinking, oh, man, Virginia Tech's only going to have two scholarship quarterbacks in the program this fall. So, okay, now we've got, no, four. got four. Even if one of them's not eligible, he's sitting out learning the offense, and you've got at least two guys going forward a- after this year. So yeah, just if, a much better situation. If nothing now. changes in going into 2020, you're going to have Braxton Burmeister and Quincy Patterson competing for the starting job. Right. Well, and, and this thought just crossed my mind, too. And I don't think we ever we, – we mentioned him before he officially committed. But you look at the, the things that Justin Fuente was able to do this offseason, bringing in some pieces. They got that offensive lineman from Coastal Carolina, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. You think he could make an immediate impact, correct? Well, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think if you look at the fact that Virginia Tech lost Braxton Pfaff at right guard, they lost Kyle Chung at center, I mean, there's a starting job or two up for grabs on the interior of Virginia Tech's offensive line. Uh, you know, Lucita Smith will start at left guard, I'm sure. John Harris could step in there and start. Uh, Zachary Hoyt played a lot this year. Uh, didn't necessarily play well, in my opinion, didn't but played a lot. But, but, but at any rate, there's, there's no – no guys who were set in stone at those spots, in my opinion. And, so. the, and his name is uh, Brock Hoffman. Yep. Six foot three, three hundred ten pounder. Uh, he was the first true freshman in Coastal Carolina history since '03 to start at center. So he brings a lot. Not, I mean, but you know, he's yeah. an immediate. immediate the program's like time. ten or fifteen years old. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, by but, the way, I want to. I, I left out Knox Kadem competing with. Uh, that, you're right. And, well, and, and Hendon Hooker. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it'll it'll be four. So uh, the Hokies have their quarterback room at least three guys, or no, at least okay, four I think guys. Was a Freudian slip on my part. <laughs> a lot of a lot of uh, interesting competitions uh, set up uh, down the road. 
Let's uh, let's do this. Let's move from football because there's a lot of other sports going on. I think worth mentioning as we kind of uh, wind down the podcast. We're actually doing pretty well on time uh, this week. I, I, I've been behind. We've just had so many good discussions uh, the last couple of weeks. I want to do this. Let's talk uh, Virginia Tech women's basketball uh, here quickly because the Hokies ended the regular season on Sunday with a win on Senior Day um, against Wake Forest. They finished the year, and they went undefeated in uh, the, uh, the non-conference slate, 19-10, 6-10 in the conference. They finished the season uh, on a two-game win streak. They'll begin the ACC tournament as the 10 seed playing Wake Forest, ironically, again Wednesday in Greensboro. If they win that, they play Clemson, um, a team that is notorious for trying to trap so the Hokies in the third season with Kenny Brooks, uh, they both go six and ten in years two and year three. But we talked about the men's program having a lot of impactful players. Reagan McGarity and Taylor Emery will go down in the books as two of the best to ever suit up for Tech. Yeah, for sure. Uh, especially uh, McGarity with all those rebounds she's got. I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, I, and generally, I, I think this year, I, this year is a, uh, it's, it's disappointing. I'm not saying anybody did a bad job or anything like that. But in general, I think you can look at teams and say at the end of the year, yeah, they are who their record says they are. They are a 19-10 and 10 and 6-10 and 10 team. But I don't. I, I think this team is better than their record shows. They just they got off to that awful start in ACC seven, play. Right? Yeah, and, and they were winning over half of those games late, right? And, and, they, and I, they just managed to lose a bunch of them just – if you go back and look at those box scores and the play-by-play and see how they lost him, you're just like, oh, my gosh, how did that happen? <laughs> and and it was the same thing every game. Um, so I mean, and most teams will have one of those games every year. They had four or five of those games in one year. I think a classic example is I think they were beating UVA in Charlottesville by 19 points in the third quarter. And, and lost. Wound up losing. Right and, right, and they beat UVA thir- by 13 this past weekend, right? So, and, and that's why I think that they could have some success at the uh, ACC tournament. I, I, I agree. I, I think they're an NCAA tournament caliber team, but they're not going to make it because of uh, just what happened to them in the because month of, of January. Games, yeah, yeah, and, and, I, and I do in general believe that teams are who their record says they are. But And in general, if you, if you could hypothetically play a season over – you wouldn't get different results overall. But I think if this team started the season over and played it over again, they would get different results. Well, they did have a couple of nice non-conference wins. They beat Ohio State. They beat a good Butler team um, early in that non-conference slate. So, um, And they've got a good recruiting class. Remember we did the recruiting? They've, they've, I forget their center. They've got a, a highly um, – He's recruited well. He uh, has. Yeah. And, uh, and Dara Mabry, a really, really successful freshman campaign as the uh, Hokies point guard. Both of her sisters played at Notre Dame. Yep. Senior there right now. Uh, let's do this. I want to move to softball because uh, the Hokies are 16-3 and as they finish non-conference play for the time being. They have a couple of midweeks left with, like, Binghamton and Lipscomb. But the Hokies went to Athens, beat number eight Georgia. The SEC in softball is very similar to the SEC in football. It is elite. Hokies beat an SEC team for the first time since 2013 when they beat Kentucky in an NCAA regional. And it's their first win, I believe I saw over a ranked opponent since 16. So that is a, I can't put into words how big of a win that is for Virginia Tech. I mean, it's great to see them. I mean the success they're having early this year. Well, they had they had a good record to that point. Uh, they were looking for a signature win. They got one. Some of the statistics have been good. The batting average is good. The uh, stolen base percentage is good. Um, they've certainly had some promising pitching. 
So they needed a signature win. Um, are the rankings out this week? And they are. Uh, they did. So the USA Today poll um, does one. I would think with the uh, they are now receiving votes. I think that's one of the. I personally, I think that's the the, the best one. Uh, I believe they had thirteen receiving votes. Okay. Florida State's the number one team. Then there's no other team in the ACC in the top twenty-five, but Tech is the no closest um, to receive to getting in. Uh, North Carolina, Notre Dame, the North Carolina. Let me check the ESPN one, but I just you know again the 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 credit to, to Coach Pete Demore because he came in with a talented roster that lost ten one run games in a twenty three and thirty year from a season ago. So to have a bunch of seniors returning, he even said in his press conference he didn't feel like this was a big turnaround by any means. Right. I mean, they had the third best ERA in the ACC. <laughs> yeah. So, what did Buzz Williams not say when he started? <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, you know, it's just uh, one of the things I heard during the search that wound up with him being hired was that from a facility standpoint, Virginia Tech is a top two or top three program in the ACC, and I believe that did include the new indoor. Uh, practice area that they've got it's it's a pitching it's pitching area batter's box area and a regulation size uh, infield indoors Uh, correct text facilities are pretty darn good it really is especially when compared to the rest of the ACC I think Florida State has good facilities and I don't remember who the third team North was. Carolina, it's probably North Carolina. Yeah. But t- with this indoor for some, I mean, and not a lot of teams have that. So it is. Uh, you go in and they've got a lot of really nice. I mean, just things on the wall. They've got I a locker seen it room. Since they did the graph, and that's important in Blacksburg. Oh, yeah, oh my yeah. gosh! I mean, you don't know what the weather is going to be from from one day to the next. They uh, they had to cancel last year a game after spring break in March due to snow. I mean, you just yeah, never know. Right. Right. Uh, and, what, and you know, it's not going to get cold in Tallahassee. You know, it can rain. But but in general, you know, you can practice year-round down there, uh, much more so than you can here. And uh, you take it – so the ESPN rankings just came out. They do theirs with uh, USA Softball and ESPN. Tech is the most receiving teams. So, so basically 26. Correct. And they play Georgia Tech this weekend on paper. I think Virginia Tech, that's a favorable series for them. Where is it? Uh, it's here in Blacksburg, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at Tech Softball Park. So they open up their season, uh, and then they go to North Carolina State next weekend. And NC State finished 11th out of 12 teams in the ACC from a year ago. They're a little bit better, so um, definitely, you know, they're not. They, they don't play Florida State in the regular season, the defending national champions. Uh, they've got a couple really? of. Uh, they did last year. It kind of alternates. Huh. How many teams are in the ACC? Too many. Twelve. The only teams that are not in the ACC are Wake Forest and Miami. And I think I'm forgetting one more. There's Probably Syracuse. Syracuse. So how many ACC no, Syracuse is in there. How many uh, ACC teams do you play each year? Well, I'll, I'll go over their schedule right now because, you know, in, in past years they've had a couple of tough ones. And there are, some, there's, there are going to be some competitive series this year for Tech. Um, but they – I think uh, this is definitely a – you know, again, every game in the ACC is tough. Not trying to discredit right. anything. But it's a it's a more – so it's Georgia Tech at NC State, at Pitt, Louisville at home, at Duke – Virginia at home, North Carolina at home, at Boston College, and that's it. So you play eight of the 11 possible the 11. opponents. That's actually pretty good. Oh, I'm sorry. So Clemson is adding a team in 2020. They that's are. who they I'm are. forgetting. Yes. Oh, I didn't know they were. I knew they were adding, adding, but I didn't know they were that far out. Yeah, so um, they're uh, they're a year away from, I guess, next year they will be um, in the ACC. So, um, and, and they'll, you know. Any any program at Clemson will recruit so, well. So, be, yeah. uh, so we were talking about facilities, and the the Clemson thing is actually an interesting story. In, in 2011, they dropped both men's and women's swimming and men's diving. I believe they kept women's diving. 
And part of the reason they did that was they did not want to spend $15 million on a uh, um, swimming, swimming facility at the time. This was 2011. Uh, they later added women's golf, and now they're going to add women's softball. And if I'm correct, they're going to build a softball park. Yes. yes. So they're going to spend, at this point in time, eight years later, seven, eight years later, the $15 million that they didn't want to spend on swimming, you know, seven yeah, or eight, no. nine years ago. So, you know, Clemson, it's probably going to be pretty nice facilities. Uh, so they will become, from a facility standpoint, probably one of the top four UVA also had uh, not the best facilities. They're putting a lot of money into a softball. UVA is one of the uh, struggling programs at the moment in the ACC, but they've got a new coach, but they're upgrading their facilities well, as well. Well, I know they're, they're fundraising something like $160 million, and they're going to do a lot of work around the JPJ Arena yes. area for football and softball is probably part of that is what you're saying and their baseball complex is is phenomenal yeah they, they, so, have, no, they have no problem there yep yeah. uh and then i do want to quickly talk about baseball they're eight and two at the moment they uh, dropped the series against bryant this past weekend uh four six the final score a loss in game one a two one win in game two and then a four two loss in game three but they're eight and two they had a walk off from haransky against radford definitely mm-hmm. a nice start for coach shep and company yeah pitching's much better you know bryant went down and got swept by lsu but they scored, I believe, 16 or 18 runs in that series. And then they come to Virginia Tech for a three-game set and only score 11 runs against the Hokies. So Yeah, Tech just couldn't get the hits. They, yeah, they couldn't get the hits this time around. Uh, you know, there's, there's, they've still got some work to do there. But And then the game that Tech lost 6-4, to four, Tech had four errors. Um, now, only two of Bryant's runs of, the, of their six were unearned. But, wow. Uh, yeah, so – Errors played a played a part. Yeah, they play a role. Yeah, yeah. So, but over, on the whole, man, pitching's just much better. And Corey's got some great uh, articles up, I believe, from yeah. this past weekend. Of course, Tech uh, Tech sidelines beat baseball writer uh, in football as well. Speaking of TechSideline.com, what's going on? What we got this week? Oh man, what's today? Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to continue our scouting report. Um, I'm working on the the DB re- review and look ahead, which will probably post this afternoon actually because i'm almost done with it so by the time you listen to this podcast that article might already be up and uh oh my gosh continue scouting reports friday q a it's kind of your typical content i think probably when the brackets are updated again like when uh lunardi and jerry palm and, and that and sports illustrated and that group updates their brackets maybe i'll aim, I'll aim thursday or friday to have a bracketology update yeah for it's probably tech. time to start yeah. saying passing on where the experts are saying tech is going to be in the right. ncaa tournament yep. um, for the first time ever i believe nobody's thinking techs on no tech fans are thinking they're on the <laughs> bubble even last year there were some tech fans who were like i don't know if we're going to get in and and we had to tell them, no, the Hokies We're in. are in. Yeah. Um, well, lastly, here's something I thought about just now, and I don't know this off the top of my head. What's the highest ranking Tech's ever had in the NCAA tournament? You guys know? Seed. They were a five seed in 07. Yeah, they were. Okay. They were. So a three or a four. Back, back in my day, they were never that. that they, went, they went 21 and 11 that year. They, they lost a bunch of games. They lost a in, – in non-conference, they lost Was a, it Bowling Green they lost No, to? that was a year before when A.D. Visayo tipped the ball <laughs> into the other team's <laughs> yeah. basket at the end of the game. And a basket that should not have counted. Right. Right. Um, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so they, they lost to Marshall. Yep. They lost to George Washington. They lost to Western Michigan. Yep. They lost to Richmond. Wow. Uh, and still made it as a five seed. Well, yeah, because uh, I think that they lost that Marshall game, and then the very next week they won in Cameron Indoor Stadium. And then the very next week they beat number one UNC. Yeah. Um, so, so that that was your – that was the kind of – 
that two or three week stretch right there kind of summed up the Seth Greenberg era, to be honest with you. Well, here's how we'll uh, close the podcast with this stat. This, I mean, this came out under an hour ago. Dara Mabry of Virginia Tech women's basketball, all ACC freshman team. She leads the ACC in three point percentage wow. as a true freshman. Really? So nice, great. Uh, how, how many did they name? One, one, two, or three teams of freshmen? How many players? I think we it's about? just one team. I, I'm just seeing a tweet from a uh, Hokies women's basketball. Probably just right. one. I mean, how many freshmen get enough minutes to actually make a third <laughs> team? You know, it's yeah. not like there's a bunch of one and done right. teams, yeah, in, yeah, like yeah, there so. are in men's basketball. Well, congratulations to Dara. That'll do it as we talked Virginia Tech men's basketball, football. Oh, that is what we, we are wrestling. forgetting. I knew I was forgetting some. That's what happens when I look away from my uh, my rundown. Uh, this is big, and I want to make sure we actually spend about five minutes or so on this. Hokies host the ACC tournament this weekend in Blacksburg. Uh, wrestling. <clears throat> wrestling, yes. And uh, it, it, the, the seating just came out around noon today. So I do want to read off some of the uh, the highlights the Hokies, who are the two-time defending ACC champions, leads all schools with three number one seeds. Mackay Lewis is number one at 165. David McFadden's one at 174. And Zach Zavatsky is one at 184. And that's determined by a vote of the league's six head coaches. I found that interesting, Will, that it's not going off of season stats. Or rankings or anything It's like going that. off the co- – and I kind of like that. I think the coaches – I do too. I think, yeah, I think well, it's Well, they've good. all seen each other. There's only yeah. six teams, so – Right. And, and in some cases, they've seen each other twice. Tech has wrestled UVA twice. Yep. So a couple of things that jumped out to me, and I'll ask you this too. I thought at 125, Prada getting the three seed, that's good for him at 125. He had a strong second half of he the year. He came on strong, yeah. He did, and that really helped Tech at 125. I was a little surprised to see Corbin Myers at four, a three-time NCAA qualifier uh, at Edinburgh, transferring it at 133. Uh, I think Mitch Moore's got a favorable um, favorable 141, being ranked second. Uh, and then I'll let you uh, kind of your thoughts moving forward. But I think the seed's pretty good around the board for Tech. I'm, I'm not a real deep thinker uh, when it comes to wrestling yet. I'm, I'm, I'm still just learning it. Um, I do know, I do believe if you just look at the computer models, I think Tech, and, and this is the way it went last year when Tech lost to NC State the last dual meet of the year and then won the ACC championship, the tournament championship. I think the way things break out, I think Tech is, is uh, I think they're the favorite if you look at the computer models. Um, if you just go into, I think I go to WrestleStat is where I go or, or maybe uh, Intermat. And you sort, you can sort by dual meet rankings, team rankings, tournament team rankings. And I think they've got Tech uh, like three spots ahead of, ahead of NC State in a tournament scenario. And one thing I haven't done is I haven't gone to WrestleStat to run the, um, I don't know if he's got it up yet where it will actually simulate the ACC tournament and mm-hmm. see how it breaks out. But I like Tech's chances. So the way it'll work is uh, tickets are $10. Um, there will be two mats in Castle. So that's basically going to fill the floor. Um, the wrestling, I believe, starts at 11 a.m. Correct. And I can't give you the breakdown, but there's basically four rounds, correct? There's kind of, I don't know if you call it prelims or what. Then they'll break a little bit, wrestle some more, and then they will wrestle, I can't remember what it's called. It's like called the Consolation Championships at like 5 o'clock or something like that. And then the championships, I believe, it's start seven. at 7 o'clock. Correct. So it's an all-day thing. Um, once you got your $10 ticket, I assume you can come and go. They're not going to keep you in Castle for, you know, 9, 10, 11 hours, whatever that is. Um, you know, I've never been. This is my first time going, so uh, looking forward to it. And if you're going to be in Blacksburg for the uh, 
for the Miami game, Miami basketball game on Friday night. Stick around. Stay over till the next day. I think the weight class that's going to be the most interesting, by the way, is 184 with Zavasky. He's the one two, but Nino Bonacorsi of Pittsburgh, I believe, yeah. is in the top ten. Even Nick Reenan of NC State and Chip Ness have been in the top ten. They're three and four. Yeah, that, that's going to be real competitive. Um, if at, at, My guess is that the one that is going to be the least competitive is probably 165 with uh, Makai Lewis. I mean, I mean, he he handled Cam Coy pretty. I'm surprised that Coy is the two seed and Thomas Bullard of NC State is the three. Um, even Zach Fine Silver of Duke, I'm pretty sure had a decent year. One of the many Fine Silvers. <laughs> yes, there's a there's like three of them. There's two uh, there's, there's two sets of twins. One there's of them's red shirting, so there's four of them. Uh, um, and then, yeah, I mean, so, again, I think it'll be interesting at 157 for BC LaPrade at three. Romani of Pittsburgh, if you'll remember, he came back and at the last second in the third period uh, got him on a takedown where LaPrade was leading the entire match. Yeah. Uh, he's the two, LaPrade's the three, and then Hayden uh, uh, Heidley of uh, NC State. Uh, remember that one, he was highly ranked. LaPrade was unranked in the NC State duel, and then Heidley had the takedown with like two seconds left on the edge of the mat. That that was the best uh, match of the entire meet. Was, was oh, that absolutely. Yeah. And that would have been – so. Uh, again, it, it, it's going to be it's going to be very exciting. There's not a weight class that's not. I'm telling you, man, come see Makai Lewis wrestle. Um, just a redshirt freshman, he is so quick and so strong that you can even a guy like me who doesn't know jack about wrestling, I can see that he's he's uh, still learning. Um, that he has a, that a, a lot, has a lot of room for improvement, but man, the raw physical skill and strength is there. He's a lot of fun to watch. He just. He just demolishes people, and somebody will make a move at him, and most guys will just kind of back up and flatten out, and he'll come right back at you. And not a lot of guys do that. He's just a lot of fun to watch wrestle. Absolutely. No, he really is, and uh, it's going to be loud in Castle for sure. I know Tony Roby really pushing everybody to get there, so yeah. we appreciate Coach Roby, his support coming on the podcast earlier this year. And, and it'll be interesting to uh, see, you know, when you go to watch a dual meet, it's, it's easy to follow. Um, they go one weight class at a time. They update the team scores. You go along. I don't know what it's like to watch an entire tournament. Uh, yeah. And, and how they keep you up to date on, on what the team scores are and, and how things are breaking. And I'm intrigued to see the NCAA tournaments because I believe ESPN has those streamed at least until the final day. Oh, but, oh there's like eight mats and they stream. Yeah. You can watch all eight mats. I, um, I am very, and, and the only bummer about that is, though, it is it, it, it goes neck and neck with the NCAA tournament know, for basketball. But the cool thing about it is, though, the ESPN not having rights to it, they give it the coverage that it deserves, the sport yeah. of wrestling, and, and gives it the uh, the stage on that Saturday. So, um, so yeah. So, one more pitch. Go to, go to our uh, wrestling message board, and at the top, I've put links for you can watch both mats. If you can't make it to Blacksburg this weekend, you can watch both mats uh, stream online. I've linked to the ACC's... Um, page that uh, I, I think they're probably going to update it throughout the day with the results and scores and things like that. So you can follow along even if you're not going to be there. Well, we've talked about it all. Lots of different sports. Tom Cruise in his best movies and Will Stewart's all-time favorite movie. We've had a great podcast. Thanks so much for being with us as we uh, conclude. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sideline. Check us out at uh, techsideline.com. Become a, the, a part of the TSL family today by becoming a, a subscriber. For Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, I'm Evan Hughes. Uh, enjoy the game tonight as Tech takes on Florida State. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Tech Sideline Podcast.